0: You are listening to Mark Hatmaker rough and tumble Tour. This is a grab bag of old school Western martial arts, resurrected indigenous ways and empirical musings tinged with a heavy dose of respect, admiration, let's call it hero worship for these hosses of yore. Hey crew, this is Mark Hatmaker coming to you from the Comancheria. Today's sermon is What Al Capone, Bikers and Gangbangers, Can Teach Us About Fighting. I'm often asked, well, of the past few years in particular, uh, why so fascinated with uh, the old school mean? I mean, not just the people expect the old school boxing, old school wrestling and stuff, but really having dived deep uh, into the old school hombres, you know, gangsters and mobsters and thugs and rough-and-tumblers and and, uh, outlaws and desperados and such... Well, it's because the people most exposed to uh, bad ways are are fluent in the bad ways and likely they're going to have a better vocabulary, a better understanding of things that uh, do work. They don't have to work so much in theory and uh, things kind of shake out a bit more pragmatically from that side of things. So let's get a little deeper into that school of thought. We're going to talk about Scarface Owl, the gangs of New York, dirty tactics, boxing and wrestling, and the focused training of the bad element. Now, first, a little bit of info passed along to me by more than one friend in the law enforcement profession. I'm going to not use any names of officers or in the in uh, no names of gangs or anything. Contemporary gangs, that is, will be excised from this tale. All right. Now, beginning uh, a couple of decades or, uh, or so ago, friends on the right side of law have related to me upon raiding various sundry, let's say, biker hanghouse, gangbanger residences, and abodes. In addition to what is considered contraband, they often find uh, fight training material. Now, I was told this by the few because some of my titles were there. I mean, I've always inquired who else, and the laundry list of Squared Away Cadre seems to include a stable of straight talk and sorts with an eye on reality. Now, myself and those other gents whose titles who found their way wherever, now, we offer administrations an aid of self-defense on the right side of the line. I mean, the self-edification, and in my case, a bit of historical recreational fun. I mention these not to say, yay, gang endorsement, but for what philosopher Nassim Taleb would call the graveyard of invisible evidence. See, I ask what other titles are included, not for ego props, but to see what the enemy has an eye on or what they're interested in. It is never in-depth kata material or internal kung fu system and seldom as it's sport-oriented beyond an MMA title or two. Almost invariably, the consumption is rough around the edge of street-ready material. Now, the, the telling bit of intel lets us know that those in the trenches of perpetrating mayhem have little to no use for theory and or bounded domains, that is, sport applications. Now, if, if we proclaim ourselves street reality-focused and based, we would be well advised to take heed of what our enemies' tastes are, what their armory includes. Now, I now draw your attention to the fact that this phenomenon is nothing new. I mean, gangs, gangsters, motorcycle clubs on the fringes and all the other pockets of less than savory, they value uh, hard men. Able scufflers, or as one Scottish lawman told me, I'm not going to even do the exit, they battle fectors. And I said, what did you just say? Said, they value good fighters. Now, we have to talk about training. Possession or use? There's a distinction there. I mean, now, mere possession of a training implement, as we might find uh, in the materials we're discussing, does not make one adept. We all know that. I mean, we all have YouTube tutorials available on every possible subject in our pockets. And yet I see no corresponding rise in actual ability. I mean, mere possession of information is not us. And if some of us are old enough, I mean, 20 years ago before this, uh, you know, there weren't that many people with uh, smartphones and youtube tutorials in their pockets and now there are think about how many increasingly able can do people do you see if anything i see it's the same or perhaps a little bit less because people really watch them more than they do them now let's look at the waters also the waters that we lie uh, law-abiding training when swimming there are far more consumers of the aforementioned YouTube tutorials than folks who ever swing a fist at a bag. I mean, we, if we're honest with you, we know that. there's More people just look at this stuff or read this stuff and they just don't do it. Or put their ears on a podcast like this and don't do it. There are copious members commentators of the squared away fight all the way league tap it away at keys on social media forums all the time now how many of these do you think put asses on mats the hands and gloves if any time at all and if so how often and how long is that training session right you get my drift i mean that's not throwing shade or anything we're just going just playing the numbers all right we just look around i mean you all the time you go out in the world you see a tap out t-shirt and how uh, I many you count those and how many people are actually doing that it's just like you know wearing ball caps how many people you see in a ball cap you actually plays in a league somewhere it's just Not the case. Most people just wear the costumes and wander around like kids who don't know Halloween's over. You get my drift. If you've been alive and awake in these waters, you're cognizant that on the right side of the justice line, there are more in the theory-laden and sportive end, the costume end of the pool, than the deep waters of, okay, this is real, and even fewer who test that reality off of the high dive platform. Uh, Another concept to keep in mind is use and utility over mere exposure or possession of information. The key info to know when eyeing an enemy is what armament do they possess. All right. In today's lesson, we're discussing the unarmed element here. The second question, how adept are they at using that armament? With adept, we must never forget the fact that often mere use of said armament, any use at all, is often way more than the defender has ever had. All right. So what I mean by that is getting mind, uh, gun shy, uh, trigger winching, you know, wondering how will this go in the mix? That never goes away for anyone, no matter your exposure. Right? I mean, you, as a veteran, you get a little bit less. So in, in most cases, maybe not extreme events, but most cases that diminishes, but that never goes away. But the diminishment is caused by exposure. Now, with that said, who do you think has been in tougher spots in their life more often? Will that be the law-abiding reality combat student or the on-the-fringe least courageous biker gang member? You see what I'm saying? Uh, I mean, we may go in and do the drill and maybe try all sorts of raging things with emotional content. But even if you're cowardly and you are still in the midst of a uh, some sort of scrum between a rival motorcycle club, you're exposed to actual true fear, true stress-based events. Even if you think you're not the the the, the biggest swing, and you know what I'm talking about there, that event, you've been in it, you felt it more than us doing our little. Pur- pretend thing at the gym now who do you think's experienced more confrontations the person who's read numerous uh, essays in the ooda loop or the ambitious kid from south central okay i, mean, I don't get me wrong we the theory is fine being exposed to such things but it's no way a replacement for actually exposure all right To know wicked tactics, we've got to look to the wicked. I mean, I've discussed the remarkable overlap between kosher tacticians and outlaw players of seemingly the same game, but with violently different adjustments many times. I mean, that's what the black box is all about. Going, This may look like a jab, but this is not the way these guys were throwing the jab. Why? Because they have different ideas in mind here. Uh, in mob parlance, so some of these able adjusters were called street dentists. We've actually got a podcast on that subject. And of course, if you're a black boxeteer, I mean, in the subscription service, you know, we're doing the tactics all the time. Now, men who were able boxers, able wrestlers, able scufflers, but something a bit more than that. Uh, from the early days of rough and tumble to now with Boxing Plus or All In, Scuffling, Boom Battle, etc., they were all valued by the, the less than savory element for their knowledge and valued skills. We've also got to look at concerted, deliberate practice. We would be on a somewhat level playing field if our gangbangers who possessed instructional material approached it in the same manner than many fight GIF swappers approached their own training. But my self-same law enforcement insiders tell me that the possession of the material is not the end. It is utilized. It is honed to keep current names out of the game uh, and what they might be doing to train, because uh, I don't want to aggrandize any game that's out there uh, still playing. Let's look at a few historical examples of outlaws honing illegal tactics in a, in a decidedly organized manner as one would expect from organized crime. Let's talk Al Scarface Capone. Now, the short version of the Al Capone origin story is that he came up brawling in the Five Points gangs of New York. He was noted for slinging hands, busting heads, and many remarked on his quote, "boxer's feet," unquote, which means pretty cagey and fast and slick. Now, this abridged version of the tale leads us to believe that natural ability and simply engaging in street scuffling is all one needs for improving a skill set. Okay, let's dig a little bit deeper. Capone did indeed engage in numerous street scuffles as a member of the early rough and rowdy gangs of New York. His actual gang was a smaller outfit called the James Street Gang. The gang was headed by a young Johnny Torrio, also of later mob notoriety. If you've seen Martin Scorsese's film Gangs of New York, you're likely familiar with the largely Irish gangs, the Dead Rabbits, the Plug Uglies, and the Wyo's. Another large and powerful gang was the Five Pointers, which was predominantly Italian. Now, this gang, the Five Pointers, was headed by one dapper individual named Paul Kelly, Well, not exactly an Italian name there. Kelly's actual name there was, uh, well, Butcher, uh, Paolo Antonini Vaccarelli. Now, Kelly was an experienced and successful bantamweight prize fighter. He used his winnings to bootstrap and bolster his criminal enterprises. Okay, this is a common story in the old days. There's so much overlap going on here. Now, Kelly was idolized by many young hoods, including Johnny Torrio and Capone. Kelly offered tips and tactics of the legitimate fight game in which he was well-skilled. A Bridgeport Herald newspaper article of 1897 refers to him as the, quote, fastest and cleanest little boxer in the business, unquote. I mean, he could fight clean, but Kelly, also like all street dentists, made additions that made the game street-ready for the thrash in the street uh, that was commonplace of the gig of being in a game. The five-pointers were noted for their eye-gouging and the clinch tactics, etc., now, keep in mind, the story I'm telling is not isolated. The history of boxers, wrestlers, rough-and-tumblers evolving and expanding the game in methodical ways to aid in a bit the less than savory are numerous. We're merely telling one tale in a timeline today. Capone was part of this eager to learn cadre of young hoods. He avidly participated in these lessons. Capone would go on to perfect his game working as a doorman, a bouncer, security enforcer, and labor slugger. And there's many, many tales we can tell about these early iterations of these so-called professions. But again, another day. Let's flash forward to Capone becoming the biggest gangster in Chicago. Capone no longer had a need to get his hands dirty, but he still did on occasion. The infamous Indian club incident comes to mind. Uh, The story has been altered to say Capone wielded a baseball bat, as we see in the film The Untouchables. Uh, Those in the know who were there say, nah, it's not baseball bat, it's an Indian club. Now, a piece of exercise gear. Now, why was that on hand? Capone, like his idol Paul Kelly, will, according to crime journalist Fred Paisley, at Capone's headquarters at the Metropole Hotel in Chicago, there were two rooms equipped with punching bags, horizontal bars, trapezes, rowing machines, and other such devices that his staff was expected to get a regular workout within. Okay, This is Paisley, the crime journalist. They followed a schedule of training as methodical as that of college football athletes. Are we getting that? Capone who came up with Paul Kelly, learned to throw hands and be a scuffler and in the clinch and such and gouge. And also he got his some of his training, along with his own natural ability, from a professional slick fighter who also made adjustments. Paisley goes on to say this. Experience had taught him, referring to Capone, that their professional value was based on that quality commonly described as nerve was in direct ratio to their physical fitness. It might be only the imperceptible tremor of a trigger finger or the slightest moment in any of a score of unforeseen emergencies, yet the cost of the lapse would have to be reckoned in lives and money. Unquote. That's from uh, Paisley's book, Al Capone, The Biography of a Self-Made Man, uh, 1930. So Capone wanted his guys to, I mean, he comes up kind of training to be a gangster. He trained to be a gangster. Just wasn't. He trained to be, and he came up, he expected those around him, also be well trained. There is a contingent within the less than savory side of life that takes mayhem seriously, both the training and the education. This mayhem to confuse this version of boxing, wrestling, and scuffling with the versions we law-abiding squares often a mistake for dirty fighting, is a grave error indeed. Now, for more on the Crime Fight Connections, I did, uh, we might hit it in the podcast eventually, or you can run over and take a look at the blog, or look at the uh, leg breakers, or you can take a look at the good reasons, real reasons, of mob hits, which we've already done as a podcast. Also, we've done one uh, podcast on the uh, street dentist, for, of course, for the actual tips tactical drills and applications from the perpetrators of mayhem I'll take a look at our block box uh, subscription service that's that's where all the honey is kids uh, take care of yourselves be cool uh, like subscribe podcast support all that noise have a good one